Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. Has it ever felt like the most successful people you know in life just have this strange ability or power? to be in the right place at the right time when it comes to taking advantage of new opportunities. Now, for example, our guest today is my friend and mentor, Eben Pagan, and Eben's one of the most successful entrepreneurs I know, having built a $100 million empire in the online education space. Well, just over a year ago, he sent me an email asking if I'd ever put any time or thought into investing in cryptocurrency. Well, I told him that I'd actually purchased Bitcoin back in 2014 and that I'd been researching and investing in that space ever since. So he emailed eight other successful entrepreneurs that he knew, and he asked them the same question. Well, it turns out that every single one of them had also taken an interest and invested in crypto over the previous one to two years, despite the fact that none of us had brought it up to anybody else in that group. We had all seen the same opportunity. We had all come to the same conclusion about that opportunity, and we had all made a small fortune as a result. Now, what's interesting is that Eben had not asked us that question just for the sake of it. He was, in fact, validating a theory that he'd created while trying to unravel the true secret at the heart of the world's most successful people. What is that theory? It's that successful people are better at finding and creating opportunity and better at making decisions about which opportunities to bet on. So if you look at the successful people you know who are consistently achieving great results in business, with investing, with money, in their financial lives in general, the same people who win not only in the short run, but also in the long run, you'll see that these are the individuals who are constantly finding and creating great opportunities and then choosing the best ones to bet on. In other words, seeing and capitalizing on opportunities that others miss is actually a learnable skill. Well, being the genius that he is, Evan spent the last few years breaking down this intangible art into an actual framework and process that helps you understand what opportunity is, how it works, how it's changing, and how to get more of it in your life. So identifying opportunities, and then most importantly, sorting through them to decide which ones you should pursue is it. This is the foundation that every success story you've ever heard is built upon. And today, Eben's going to teach us how to do it. And by the way, he's also going to give a free copy of his new book on opportunity, to everybody listening here at Self-Made Man. And to get your copy, just head to newopportunitybook.com and just pay for shipping and you'll get a brand new copy that will help teach you this framework and what we're going to discuss here today. So without further ado, please help me welcome Eben Pagan. Well, Eben Pagan, welcome back to Self-Made Man. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, Mike. Good to be here. Absolutely, brother. So you and I have had a chance to to get caught up over the last year since the the last time you you came on, and there's been a ton of really amazing stuff that you and I have both been working on, somewhat along in the same channel, somewhat separately, but they've all centered around the fact that we're finding opportunities everywhere. <laughs> mm. A lot of them in the the crypto space, as you you and I have been very involved with over the last couple of years. It seems like the amount of opportunity there is unprecedented. The same with the new business ventures that we've both undertaken over the last year. And ironically, when we started to talk about this a couple of weeks ago, it came up 
with the fact that this was actually the subject that your next book is centered on. And I thought that was really, really interesting uh, that you've come up with essentially a framework or methodology for identifying and taking advantage of opportunities. And I couldn't think of a better topic to have you come on and, and talk about with our listeners because so many of them are either A, looking to create an opportunity for themselves from a business perspective, or maybe they're suffering from opportunity overload, right? There's just so many shiny objects around them all the time that they're having difficulty saying no to the wrong opportunities and identifying the right ones. So I'm super stoked to have you on the show today and to dive into this topic and shed some light on this for everybody. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Mike. Absolutely. So Evan, real quick, for those who are listening to the show who are kind of new, who haven't heard your previous episode and don't know who you are, uh, you've been a big part of my life for the last 15 years. Can you give people a five-minute overview on your career as an entrepreneur? Sure. I grew up in Oregon, a child of hippie parents, and I was poor and on government assistance, you know, on and off growing up. Um, I didn't know anybody that was successful. Um, I didn't really know anybody who knew anyone that was successful. And I was a long-haired rock and roll guitar player, and I worked in a metal shop and, you know, was trying to make it as an artist, essentially. And then in my early 20s, I decided that I wanted to be successful. And I reasoned that people that seemed to be successful uh, had made money in real estate or were investing in real estate. So I went and got a real estate license and I tried real estate. I sold one and a third homes my first year and made a lot less money than I was making at my manual labor job. Business really did not uh, come very easy to me. Um, I kept trying different entrepreneurial ideas. In my late 20s, I... I was single. I had moved to California. I had a pretty good job by then, but I couldn't get a date. And so I made the decision I was going to figure that out. And so I started reading books and going to seminars and trying to figure out the dating thing. And I finally learned how to get a girlfriend and I got this great girlfriend. And this was just, you know, at the rise of the internet and our mutual friend, Dean Jackson, he had been selling eBooks online and he kind of showed me his system. And I put all these pieces together of marketing and dating and online business. And I wrote a book called Double Your Dating. And I used a pen name to write that book. And I just taught myself how to make websites and, you know, put up a shopping cart and things. And it took off and it became very successful. And it was a very unlikely thing to succeed at it, you know, a book of dating advice and me who was, you know, socially awkward and so forth, but it took off. It did very well. We started teaching dating advice for men and for women and relationship advice and had other teachers come into my business. And in my first year, I did about $133,000 in sales. And then kind of toward the end of that year, I did a seminar and then we created an audio course and launched that. And then my business grew dramatically. The second year, we did about $500,000 in sales. And then we did 1.5 million and then 5 million and 12 million. And we kept growing. And eventually I had this big team of people working all around the country and around the world, 100% virtually teaching people uh, all this knowledge about how to succeed. A lot of my friends, as I was growing the business, started asking me, you know, hey, Evan, what are you doing here? You've got this business that's growing. You seem to be successful. So I started showing different friends of mine how I was creating ebooks and audio and video courses on, on these different topics. And one of them launched a business and, you know, a young guy in his 20s and then took off and he became very successful and he sold it and became a millionaire. And another friend of mine started a business and he had me working with him, uh, helping him with it. And he built that and started making a bunch of money. And then he sold that business. And I just watched people kind of one after another start taking the model I was using and become successful with it. And I mean, not to mention a ton of people in our industry 
mic. I mean, a lot of people started using my stuff as, you know, their teaching material and their courses. And I finally realized, hey, wait, maybe the things that I'm doing in business are even more interesting to people than the dating stuff. And so I started teaching entrepreneurship. I launched a course called Altitude and had lots of entrepreneurs come in from around the world to, to learn that. And then I started doing courses on how to create digital products, information products, and online courses. And we've had, oh gosh, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people probably go through those various courses. And so basically what it is, is when I find an area where I need to learn, I go learn about it. And once I feel like I've got it, I then try to create a great course to teach other people. It's been very successful for me. You know, in the last several years, I've gotten married. I have a little daughter now that's about five years old. So I'm studying relationships and parenting, and I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing a big opportunity there too, because as I, as I study that stuff and I look out into the world, I realize, wow, people don't really have very good, you know, good stuff to study about relationships and parenting that is mainstream that they know of. And so that's now on my horizon too. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. And I was one of those uh, those guys who used to model what you were doing in my world. <laughs> I remember I used to buy your your products just to model the design of the packaging and and the format of how you would put your binders and materials together and, and all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome, brother. Life changing stuff for sure. That's that's nice for you to say that. Thank you. So, what led you down the road to studying opportunity? I think that's something everybody kind of takes for granted. And for those who are listening, one thing about Eben that you might not know is how big of a student and a researcher he is when he comes to these topics. One visual that I'll never forget that I saw pictures of were in his uh, condo high rise where he had an apartment or a condo and then next door he found a second empty one and literally filled it with library shelves of thousands upon thousands of books so you would walk in there and there's no furniture. It's just rows of library shelves. So help paint the, paint the details behind that because I want to give people an accurate understanding of how deep you tend to go into topics. Yeah. Well, you know, let's, we'll go down the rabbit hole of knowledge for a second here. It's something happened when we humans started talking to each other, you know, when, when the first people realized that they can make sounds but make them in a particular way and that that could stand for knowledge. And rather than going and having to, you know, grab some other people and like physically pull them or somehow signal, you know, come over here that you could just walk up and say, hey, there's a herd of bison over that hill. Everyone get ready, you know, go, you know, get get the horses and, you know, get the bow and arrow or something. And when we started sending knowledge back and forth through the air with our voices and then we were able to write it down and send it down through the generations this is a huge, this is a major big deal that happened. And the difference in the quality of knowledge between one piece of knowledge and another piece of knowledge, it's not just a small difference. You know, the difference in value between the most valuable book that you can read and the least valuable book might be like a thousand times or a million times or something like that. You know, the difference between the value of, you know, a recipe book that has some average recipes in it and a book like Think and Grow Rich or The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I mean, it's essentially an infinite dif uh, distance. And as I've read books and gotten to know experts and interviewed entrepreneurs and just started learning in my life, this has become more and more apparent to me that if you get better knowledge, if you have better quality information and better quality systems and better quality models, that 
this can translate directly over into your life. You can learn better ways to think, better ways to make decisions, better ways to do things, better ways to have relationships. And so I collect a lot of that in the form of books because reading is still probably the most efficient way to get certain knowledge. I mean, nothing can replace studying with a master or being in a a community of people who are practicing so you can actually watch other humans doing it. But the kind of the broadband download speed to go spend 10 or 20 bucks on a book and then be able to get, you know, the study of someone's whole life or something. It's, it's, it's an astonishing bargain. And so, yeah, so I collect books and I collect knowledge because better knowledge, you know, they say knowledge is power and better knowledge is, you know, more power. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, you know, we use, we talk about the Colby score index here, uh, as far as the personality test goes. And I'm assuming, what are you, a nine or a 10 on the fact finder scale? Um, I think I'm more quick start. I haven't haven't done Colby in a while, but I think I'm more quick start and then some fact finder in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the research that you've been do- doing around opportunity and what you've discovered, because I know that you've basically created a system to help people identify the opportunities that are out there in front of them and how yep. to filter the ones that they should ignore. Yeah. Well, it kind of uh, dawned on me, Mike. Uh, after studying business and marketing and entrepreneurship and and basically success. And I was doing that because I grew up really poor and I just wanted to move away from that. I never wanted to be poor again. You know, when I was when I was 22, I moved out on my own. I got this little trailer. In my first month, I couldn't pay the rent that was, I think it was $135 or something. And I had to sell a guitar amp that I had. And it was, I just had this feeling that I, I hated. I didn't want that feeling anymore. And you know, so I did anything I could. And so a, a lot of this is trying to move away from not having options in life. And so I set that context because as I've then studied entrepreneurship and I've studied business success, I didn't, I didn't notice this over, oh, I mean, probably 20 of the years that I was studying it. Um, but in the last year or two, it's really come clear that what all of these, all the successful entrepreneurs have in common and you, you fit this uh, description very well, Mike, is that they're really good at finding and creating opportunities. And in fact, I realized, oh, maybe, maybe a year before last or so, maybe a couple of years ago, that, that this was essentially the thing that defines the entrepreneur, is that the entrepreneur is better at finding and creating opportunities. And once I, I got that, once I just kind of saw that pattern through all these entrepreneurs. I mean, I've interviewed hundreds of entrepreneurs and invested and trained a lot of them and so forth. And so it just kind of hit me. I couldn't unsee reality that way. And I just started realizing, gosh, there's really something to this. And so um, the way I think of it now is that uh, opportunity is the heart of entrepreneurship and that that's what makes the the, the great entrepreneurs great is they're great at finding and creating opportunity. And then I started asking, okay, so, you know, how, can this be learned? Can this be something that we can transmit from one mind to another? And uh, and I think that it can. And so then I started just writing down everything that I knew about it. And I taught a course on it. And then that turned into the last about year or so that I've been writing this book. And gosh, I, I don't know if I've, I've ever worked this hard on kind of one project or one course as I have on writing this book. And it's been fascinating, you know? So... What would you define as an opportunity to begin with? How would you define that? Well, there are a few different ways that you can 
you can look at opportunity, right? So the dictionary definition is a favorable juncture of circumstances. So, you know, from one perspective, an opportunity is a happy coincidence, right? You're walking down the street and, you know, you see a hundred dollar bill on the ground, right? That's an opportunity, you know, or someone comes to you and there's, a, you know, the investment of a lifetime and you can just put some money in and that's an opportunity. One thing about the normal definition of opportunity, though, that I'm, I'm not so crazy about is that it, it kind of puts the, the definition, it puts opportunity outside of us. It's all about the circumstances. And I think that opportunity can be created. I think that the favorable juncture can be created, or even more specifically, that there are so many different favorable junctures that are out there right now that you just have to go and find the one that makes sense to you, you know, or that you can take advantage of. Um, and the internet is, has really created this, you know, it, it gives you access to a lot of the basic building blocks of opportunity that you can then take and put together to create your own. I mean, with the internet, as we all know, right, you can go find a million different jobs that are available at any time or, you know, launch a countless number of businesses or, or side projects or, you know, learn about a hobby and start doing it faster and cheaper than ever. And so, in terms of just opportunity, raw opportunity, it's like a gold mine. But you got to go out there and you know look for it, and you have to create it. You know the success requires the knowledge and the work and the persistence, but the opportunities that are created by circumstances they're they're growing exponentially. Um, another way to think about opportunity, um, if you go back to the etymology of it, it actually comes from opportunity ob meaning to go toward something, and then port is like the port that a, a ship goes to. And so opportunity used to mean you being on a ship and when you would come into the harbor and you had like the wind in your sails and then you could see the port that you were sailing to. And once you could see it, that's when you were in the state of opportunus. Like that's when you were in the state of opportunity. So opportunity, it's when you know where you're going and you can see how to get there. And it's that moment when you can see it, like where it clicks where you can see how you can go from where you are to where you want to be, that situation is an opportunity. And I like to, again, take the mindset that opportunity is something that you create, that it's something that you do proactively. I could you know, give you some examples if you want, but as I, as I look around at the people I know and my friends that don't feel like there's a lot of opportunity for them right now, I was just talking to a good friend about this, and they want more opportunity to come to them, but they're not being proactive and going out and going and finding the opportunity. And they're not building a life and they're not designing it structurally so that more and more opportunities come to them. What would that look like if he was doing the opposite? Well, let me, I'll give you an example here, right? I'll give you two, two things that come to mind here. In my own life, in the last five or six years, I've become very interested in visionary art. My wife and I met at Burning Man coming up on nine years ago now. And Burning Man is this spectacular art festival. And it's this incredible music and art festival. Um, in fact, um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Mike, but uh, the Smithsonian is now in Washington, D.C., is doing a huge Art of Burning Man exhibit right now. And my friend Android Jones, this amazing artist, is up there. So anyway, if you, if you get to go near the Smithsonian, go see it, because the, the art there is amazing. And so we started collecting this art. And now we have a whole bunch of paintings at my house is you know, full of paintings and, and pieces by these different artists. And I love to go online and look around for, for new art. And this has happened twice now for me. I found an artist that I really like, but they're relatively unknown. 
and you can't really find their art pieces anywhere, but I really like them. And then I just go looking. So I, I bought a drawing on eBay a few years ago um, by this artist. And I bought the drawing. And again, this is on eBay. You know, I had never seen the artist before. It just looked like a cool drawing. I bought it. I got it. And I said, oh my gosh, this thing's really amazing. And so then I started looking for the artist and I couldn't find them. And as an Australian artist, and so I reached out to the person that I bought the art piece from, and they had known this artist, but they gave me some clues, and I started looking around and just couldn't find this person. And I even hired somebody down there, a researcher, to go see if they could find them and couldn't find them. But I just kept looking, I kept going. And then maybe a month ago or so, I found an art gallery that was down there, and I called them up and talked to the person, and he said, Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to know that artist. And in fact, I have one of his art pieces. And so I bought another drawing by this artist, which I'm so excited about because they're so cool. And then it turns out that he knows some other people that maybe have some some drawings by this artist. And when I found this connection, there was a part of me, you know, my self-esteem goes up. I kind of feel a little proud of myself because this, you know, I could probably tell you 10 or 20 stories in my life where there's something like that, where I realized there's, there's a you know, there's an opportunity out there, but I'm going to have to go find it and I'm going to have to look and I'm going to have to be persistent. And this is actually the second time I've done this with art where I've just gone looking and then I've had to persist sometimes for years, but then eventually, you know, you find what you're after. So that's, that's kind of my own, you know, thought on it. Another example that comes to mind, I've been kind of using this as a, uh, from another thing I've been teaching lately, but a big opportunity is to combine skills Right, because we can learn so much faster than we used to be able to learn before, because of the explosion of knowledge on the internet. Have you seen that video, uh, Mike, of that like thirteen-year-old girl who learns dubstep dancing in like seven or eight months, and she's this amazing dubstep dancer? Have you seen that one? No, uh-uh. no. Yeah, it's worth it's worth going and checking out. Anyway, she's you know she's a young girl, and it shows this video, and she's this amazing you know modern dancer, and she's telling a story about how she goes on YouTube and she finds dancers, and she just studies them, and she can rewind it, and she's talking about how her generation can go find the things that they want to learn, and they can learn uh, much faster. So, because we have access to the best teachers now, and because the knowledge is higher quality, because people are, are such at such a high level of expertise, I tend to think that just on average, that you can learn something about 10 times as fast as you could maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Like I actually think that it's that it's that kind of a quantum leap because 20 or 30 years ago, if you wanted to, you know, let's say learn math, you'd have to go to your local school, which was probably an average school, and then study with an average teacher and then get an average education that was being taught to the average student in the average class. Whereas now you can go find exactly a teacher that's your style online. You can take a class. A lot of times you can take them for free. You can study when you're the most able to. You can do, you can fit it in between things so you can learn. You can, you know, again, fast forward, rewind. You can go as, you know, at the pace that you want. So I tend to think that we can get an education approximately 10 times as fast. I mean, that's my mindset. And so with, with that, with that idea that you can learn 10 times as fast, you can get more skills. I'll give you an example that just occurred to me here. My wife and I, uh, Annie, who you know, um, last year we were in San Francisco and we were staying there for a while. And we went to one of those rock climbing walls. Have you, have you ever been to one of those, Mike? Oh, sure. You know, talking yeah. about the indoor gym. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had never been to one. And I said, well, you know, let's go check this thing out. And so we went in there and we put on the gear and we, you know, climbed the wall. And, you know, I go in there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, probably you climb up like two steps and then you fall down and you that your whole first time 
And then you have to go like 20 times before you can climb 10 feet. And I was astonished that, you know, within minutes you're climbing all the way to the top of this wall and it's cool. Like it's fun. You know what, you know what I'm talking about, right? Sure, it's yeah. really, it's really interesting and engaging. And as I did that, I thought to myself, you know, somebody could come in here and like, if you're the best rock wall climber, you probably can't turn that into a business. But, you know, if you went to the rock wall three or four times a week for 90 days, okay, you could become a competent rock wall climber. You know, if you did an hour a day for, for that amount of time, you would be at the, in the top, you know, few percent or something of, you know, of average beings who have ever, you know, seen that or tried it. But then if over, let's say the next 90 days, you went and you studied making nice looking video, you know, you just, you maybe you did again, three or four hours a week or something. You got a camera, you learned about lighting, you learned about different shots. Maybe you took a, a class locally, hung out with a meetup, bought a, you know, a course online for a hundred bucks, right? In 90 days, you could become, you could be making video and pictures that were, you know, really, really good. And then let's say for the next 90 days, you went and you learned about social media marketing. Okay. And you just said, okay, you know, three or four hours a week, I'm going to go study social media marketing. I'm going to buy some courses. I'm going to watch videos by people. I'm going to practice making posts. I'm going to watch what, what does well. Any one of those skills is not particularly valuable, but if you put all three of them together and you are just competent at climbing a rock wall, competent at holding a video camera and competent at doing social media marketing, all of a sudden you put those three together, you're probably in the top 1% or a fraction of 1%. And you could become probably one of the top 10 people in the world that, you know, do social media and do training on how to climb rock walls or how to, you know, do, do fitness like that. And I think that's where a lot of opportunity is right now is learning skills and then combining them together. Yeah, I love that. And that's, that's actually the first thing that I'm, I'm always preaching. <laughs> for new entrepreneurs is don't talk to me about necessarily the idea you have. Talk to me about the skill that you've mastered because you can't do anything about the idea until you have a way to execute on it. So one of the things that I know you cover in the book, which I find particularly fascinating, is how fast the world seems to be going these days. And it seems like the opportunities that are coming along coming uh, in much higher numbers much more quickly mm-hmm. and that the also the time to seize them is the window is is closing quicker as well mm-hmm. and i think the crypto industry is is a great example of that but could you dive into those two topics sure well in the in the book i talk about these different principles and the nature of opportunity and how it's changing right now because i think that you have to you have to kind of get a sense of what opportunity is, what it looks like, but also how it changes over time. Because as it's changing, if you think it's one thing, but it's changed into another thing, right, you're not going to recognize it. I use the example of if you walk, have you ever walked into a grocery store and you're looking for something that you're there to get, but you can't find it and you're looking around and then you realize the packaging has changed. They made some change, but you didn't know that. So it was right there, but you know, you couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that, that's, that's what's going on with opportunity right now in terms of, of how it's changing. So, um, so, so a couple things, um, Ray Kurzweil, who, uh, I know, you know, uh, his work as well, right? Ray Kurzweil has, has studied the performance ratio of computers over the last hundred years, looking at all of these different changes like Moore's law and so forth. And he's noticed that there's this double exponential growth 
in price performance of computers. And so, you know, every couple of years, you get a computer that's going twice as fast for half the cost. And it's now it's getting to the point where you can actually see this happening. So, you know, when you get a new cell phone, it's, it's faster. Like your, your, the computer in there and the, the different things that it does, you can just feel it. Wow, it's faster. And then all of a sudden it, I'm talking to it and it knows what I'm saying. And oh my gosh, and now it's translating, you know, what I'm saying into other languages and so forth. So this, you know, this is the law of accelerating returns and a good metaphor for this in terms of, uh, you know, how to relate to it is let's imagine that there's a lotus pond and in 30 days, the lotus pond goes from having no lotuses in it to being completely covered. Okay. And let's say that the number of lotus flowers in it doubles every day. Okay. So every day it's doubling. And at the end, it's going to be completely full. Like the whole surface of it is going to be full. So if you walk by every day and you look at the pond for almost the entire month, you're not going to see any lotus flowers in it at all. You might see one pop up here and there. Right. But on day 25, you show up. Okay. And you look and you go, hey, wait, there's some lotuses in here, right? And then on day 26, 27, 20, 29, 30, right, it goes from being, you know, like 3% to 6% to 12% to 25% to 50 to 100, right, over those five or six days. It's almost instant. It all happens right there uh, at the end. So a few principles here, like, th- and this is what's driving, I think, the acceleration of the uh, the creation of opportunity. And you know, like you just said, Mike, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that's coming and we're both seeing a lot of this, but most people are not. Most people are saying, wait, for me, there's less opportunity. So I'm going to share a few quick principles here, right? So number one, in the future, opportunity grows exponentially. We have to remember that. So there's not just going to be a little bit more opportunity in a year or two. There's going to be twice as much or four times as much. And there's not just going to be a little bit more opportunity the year after that, right, there's going to be double again. So there's more, not less. Next, in the future, as, as you just said, they're right, the windows open faster, but they stay open for a short amount of time and they close faster. And this is also the consequence of acceleration. So the windows of opportunity that we have, they open faster, they stay open a shorter amount of time and they close faster. So when you encounter one, whether it's you kind of lucked upon it, it was a, a juncture of circumstances, or you created it, you just have to remember it's not going to be around for as long as it used to be. I mean, think of a company like Uber. You know, imagine if Uber had started a few years later, right? We never would have heard of them. I mean, brilliant entrepreneurs and an, an incredible uh, insight and great idea. But, you know, for example, one of the things that was the driving technology behind Uber, and there were several things that they integrated together, but Right? It was the first time that a mobile device knew where it was. Right? It was the first time that the GPS in there, where you could have two mobile devices and they knew where they were. And then that opened that window of opportunity and they jumped on it. And the rest is, uh, is multi-billionaire history. Right? Um, another one is in the future, there will be more small opportunities and fewer big opportunities. So this is also a consequence of this acceleration. Right? So we're going to have more opportunities. And the windows are going to open and close faster, but more of them are going to be small opportunities and fewer are going to be big opportunities. And this is why we need to learn about opportunity as a thing and be, be, become good at uh, like finding it and creating it and also you know, managing all the opportunities that we have in our lives. So there's this paradox here where we've got more of them, but most of them are a distraction and even more of them are going to become distractions. 
So we have to look for the blockbusters and we have to follow them. We have to look for the big opportunities. This is why venture capitalists, for example, they make many small investments, but the way that they invest allows them to hold on to their pro rata, their amount that they have as the company starts growing. And so what they do is they make a bunch of little investments and then the ones that start taking off, they keep investing in the winners, right? And they keep putting their investment into those. And so they're looking for their blockbusters. And studying the way venture capitalists think is it's actually useful for all areas of opportunity in life. That brings up a really big point that I think is incredibly valuable, which is how do you sort through the opportunities that that come your way, right? So if you're having more and more come across your path that you can take advantage of, they're not all created equal, right? So the decision that you decide to go with and which one to pursue could take you two completely different directions and it could cost you, you know, five to 10 years of your life. Mm -hmm. They're both most likely going to require the same amount of work just as starting business A will require the same amount of work as starting business B, but they could end up in two completely different places. And so, you know, you and I are definitely not getting any younger. We're both in our 40s now. And so the cost and the consequences of making a wrong choice and pursuing the wrong opportunity these days is infinitely greater than it was for us when we were in our 20s and we could we could recover from a poor decision, right? So how can folks evaluate the opportunities that come across their path to make sure they're making the best decision? Yeah, well, this opens up you know a lot of issues. Inside the book, I go into several sections that have mental models for using for estimating opportunities and appraising them and you know predicting the value and deciding whether they're right for you and so forth. And so, you know, I just kind of want to like give a little shameless plug right there yeah. for answer the question. And now I'll answer the question. And it's, it's a tough one. I mean, it's a hard one to answer. Um, so a couple things. When it comes to recognizing an opportunity, and maybe we'll talk a little more business investing right now, but some of this is generalizable. I think the essence is when you can see a way to capture value, to generate or produce value that only you can see and that you're uniquely built to understand, right? When you're in that right place to spot it, that's a bigger opportunity than one that everybody can see. You know, Peter Thiel in Zero to One, he says, you need a secret. And I think what he means there is that you need something where you found the opportunity and you're kind of uniquely designed to go and produce value in that in that place or to, or to capture value in some way. The other day, Mike, we, with my daughter, we went on an Easter egg hunt. And uh, I was here at the, the place where we live, and there were probably like 50 kids there at this party. And the way they set it up was they distracted all the kids with this person in a bunny suit. And then they said, okay, go find the eggs. And they had kind of put them all out on this grassy area on this lawn. And when all the kids, many of them bigger than my little daughter, went running over there, my little five-year-old, she just didn't have time to kind of get there. And they beat her. And she kind of, you know, had this look on her face, like, oh, you know, what do we do? And I said, hey, honey, you know, I said, let's go over here around this corner and over this other place where, the, you know, no one else is. And let's look over there. And sure enough, you know, we found three Easter eggs in a place where no one else was looking. And it's kind of like that. You know, it's when you find something that you uniquely can see it. You know, for me, I mentioned uh, this opportunity that I, I found when I wrote a book of dating advice for men. Like I could see, all right, I've learned how to uh, get a date here. And I could also see that a lot of other men had wanted to learn this. And then, okay, there's the internet. 
all right, I can understand all of this. And I could see it. I could see how it could work. And I could see that other people didn't really see it the way that I did. Um, I think you and I were talking, Mike, last year when I, I started becoming interested in blockchain and a whole bunch of friends were calling up and saying, you know, what do you think of cryptocurrency? And, you know, I had watched it casually for a while. Um, but I said, all right, I can tell something's going on here. So I went and I signed up for a couple of the exchanges and I signed up for one of them. And I'm, I'm signing up for it. And it's, and it says that you have to enter computer code into it in order to chain, in order to trade currency or to buy these cryptocurrencies. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? I've got to enter computer code in here to buy this. And I knew right then that this was a big opportunity just because no one's going to do this. Like you kind of have to be crazy to, to do it. And, you know, I also became afraid because when I saw that it was already turning into a bubble, that if it was this hard to go buy some, I just said, oh my God, this is going to be a massive speculative bubble and a lot of people are going to lose money. And I think that still both of those are true. You know, there's a lot of opportunity and part of opportunity is that there's a lot of danger as well. And so this is the kind of, you know, yin yang or the uh, light and dark of opportunity. You know, it's got that possibility of success and also kind of the specter of danger. So that's one piece of the puzzle. And then another, another way of thinking about opportunity is to me, a real opportunity has a few qualities, right? One, it uses your unique talents, right? It really uses the thing that you are uniquely special at or your kind of genius. Two, it's something you're passionate about that when you go and you do the thing, it really captures all of your attention and it puts you into the flow state. It really engages you fully. And then three, it's something that would grow you in the long term, right? It's got a, a long term personal growth, self-actualization kind of track to it. If it's something where you have a gift, but you're not actually passionate about it, if it doesn't like engage you and put you into the flow state, then you're going to get bored with the project and it's not going to be sustainable, right? If it's something that you're good at, but the opportunity is way below your skill level, you could also get bored. If you're not passionate, right? It doesn't keep your attention. You'll never get the momentum. So if it grows you and it's your passion and, and it really uses your unique talent, it gives you an edge when you're working on a business opportunity or an investment opportunity, because you're going to have to be persistent. You know, you're going to have to work on it over the long term. And this is something that people just don't get. I mean, I think it's tragic, but it seems to be kind of wired into the unconscious of culture that if there's going to be a big reward, it's got to suck in order to get it. It's got to be like hard and it's got to be something that you hate doing or the, there's something about that that prevents people from going and looking for things where they were made to do that thing. And because of the internet now and all the different business models that are available and having access to you know, billions of people that could be potential customers, you know, more than ever, we can go and create much more ideal work situations and uh, kind of designer lives, I think. So I realize those are kind of outside the box answers, but I, I feel like they're, uh, they're also things that could send people in the right direction. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've always used to measure my opportunities with are my personal goals and what do I want this to accomplish for me, right? Does this opportunity have the ability to 
you know, achieve the, the finance, the financial goals that I have? Uh, is the, the market big enough? Is the opportunity big enough to hit those goals at a bare minimum? And I learned that in my first business, right back in the networking industry, when I first started writing my first books and things like that, we built one of the largest, if not the largest education companies in the network marketing industry. So we were producing courses, teaching folks in that world how to market online, generate leads for their business and, you know, those kinds of things. We built the biggest business of its kind in that niche. And the most we ever did in a single year was about $6.3 million in revenue. And that was a really valuable lesson for me to learn in the fact that, uh, you know, the industry was much smaller and the opportunity was much smaller than I thought it was when I first started. And so I think making sure that you look out and include that in your uh, evaluation criteria these days is, is really important. There's There's nothing worse than putting years and years of your life into something only to find out that, um, you know, it's, it's a much smaller pool than you ever, you ever thought it was. So that's, uh, that's something that I include in my bucket list as well. Yeah. You know, Mike, I thank you for pointing that out. I, I'm being assumptive here. I had an assumption that if you're looking at an opportunity that it's going to, that it's going to meet your financial goals, you know, if <laughs> I was being a little too presumptuous there, but yes, what Mike said, <laughs> absolutely make sure that it has a probability of you know hitting the numbers that you want to hit and you know probably even that it has numbers that are bigger than you want to hit because like mike said you know that didn't wind up being as big of an opportunity as he thought it was going to be although 6 million bucks isn't that bad yeah well you know i mean in the next business i started right i really had that at the forefront of my mind i was like i want to build a 100 million dollar business so that requires me to go to a certain size of a market and pursue a certain type of opportunity. And so we did that in business number two. And in the first 12 months, we did 10 million in revenue, right? And mm. the only reason that was possible is because we went into a market that was infinitely larger. And so it's just something to keep in mind. But Evan, we've got about five minutes left here. What are some of your, your final thoughts on this? And I know you're doing something really cool where you're, you're giving free copies of this book away for a, a pretty small amount of time. So final thoughts, and then where can folks go get a copy of the book? Well, as I mentioned, I've invested you know, 20 years of my life really going deep, studying business, investing, entrepreneurship, and other areas. And over the course of interviewing hundreds of great entrepreneurs, you know, I've just seen this pattern that they're great at discovering and creating opportunity. And so I've put this book together. Um, it's a summary of, of all the mindsets and the models I've learned. And I've really designed it to be kind of a reprogramming, right? It's a mindset reprogramming. You, the key is the mindset shift. Once you get the new mindset, then you start seeing opportunity everywhere. It's like the reticular activating system. You know, when you're looking at a particular type of car, you're thinking of buying a new car, you see them everywhere. Well, this is it. You start seeing opportunity everywhere. And it's a very easy to read book. You know, you could take 20 or 30 minutes a day, you know, and read a chapter. And in a week or two, you won't be able to see reality the same. You won't see business or your life in the same way. And you'll really get how opportunity is exploding. You'll understand how to find it, how to compare opportunities to each other, um, how to make decisions about them, how to build your business, how to select investments. And you'll also learn about my favorite areas of opportunity in business and in life. You know, some of the things that I cover, the biggest domains of opportunity, um, how to overcome this thing that I call opportunity shock, where it's, you know, we, we, we have this paralysis that comes when you have too many options, right? So how to transcend that, tools for managing emotions, things like overcoming fear of failure, 
Um, I also mentioned mental models. Um, this is some of the most exciting work that I've been doing over the last couple of years. So I include all the mental models that I think are most important for this. You learn about collaboration and how collaboration really exponentially multiplies your power to create and uh, take advantage of opportunity. And overall, you really design, you learn how to design a life so that opportunities in business and money and investing more come to you. And then I've got a, a chapter at the end where you go through a process to discover your own greatest personal opportunity right now. While we're doing our launch, uh, if you go to freeopportunitybook.com, you can get a copy of the book for free. Um, you just pay shipping and handling for us to send it to you. Plus, there are some great bonuses. Uh, you get uh, some live training with me, and you get a bunch of downloads, and you get a bunch of other stuff that's all free um, because I'm launching the book. So just go to freeopportunitybook.com, and you can get your copy of Opportunity for free. Just pay shipping and handling. That's awesome. I love the fact that you're turning this into a skill set instead of it having this ethereal quality of luck and happenstance, right? I think that's how most people view opportunity these days is, is somewhat kind of a right place, right time deal. And you were lucky enough to be there versus turning it into an actual skill set that you can use in every area of your life, I think is one of the single most valuable things you could ever do for yourself. So uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to read it. So thanks so much for spending the last two or three years of your life cracking the code on this and, and documenting uh, everything that you've learned. And uh, it's awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely. Well, guys, go get a free copy of the book while you can. Uh, as I've mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Evan's had more of an impact on my life as a as a man and an entrepreneur than any other individual out there that I can, I can think of. So anything that he puts out, I pick up and I would highly recommend that you do the same. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Take care.